The title for today's preach um, is Informed and Empowered. Informed and Empowered. And I just want to give you a little bit of an introduction of, of what I believe or what my hope is for us as a church, uh, what I believe God shared with me, um, and how important it is. Uh, if we have any hope as the people of God, as those who say we are followers of Christ, uh, if we have any hope to be able to display to a broken world the kingdom of God, if we are able, if, if by any means we are able to live out the calling that God has placed upon our lives, what we need is we need to be informed by the word of God, but we also need to be empowered by his Holy Spirit. We need both. Yeah, it's a, they're playing with the games. I really do apologize, guys. I'll, I'll keep it closer. Is this better so we can check? Okay. Sorry about that. So we need to be informed by the Word of God, and we need to be empowered by His Holy Spirit. And as I was starting to prep this, I was just reminded about, we, we probably all have heard this quote, ignorance is bliss. It's a worldly terminology. Ignorance is bliss. It's this idea or this concept, if, if you don't know, it's okay. You know, it's fine, because you don't know how severe it is, you're actually you know, set aside of that anxiety or worry because ignorance is bliss. And as I was studying the Word of God, I just realized how unbiblical that is. So just to give you a few scriptures, um, I thought it was better for the Word of God to speak instead of me giving my opinion. I just want to share a few scriptures. And I, I want you, as we read these scriptures, hear the weight. Hear the weight of the scripture. So we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13. It says, therefore, my people go into exile for a lack of knowledge. The honored men go hungry, and their multitude is parched with thirst. Job 36, verse 12. But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Jeremiah 4, verse 22. For my people are foolish. This is God speaking. My people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil, but how to do good they do not know. And then one that probably most of you would know, Hosea 4, chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So I want to say this to you, the same beautiful word of God that tells us how much God loves us, and how gracious he is, and how merciful he is. What it also wants to paint for us is with a lack of knowledge, the only path is destruction. That ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance leads to destruction. And as I was going through this, I was just brought into remembrance about this very popular passage of Scripture in the book of Kings. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings. We'll pick it up from chapter 13. From verse four, yeah, chapter 13, verse 14 to 19. Set up. Verse 14, now it reads, Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he has to die, welcome to church, Joash, the king of Israel, went down to, uh, to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. So just to kind of under, or give you a little bit of nuance about what this verse means is you need to understand that in the Old Testament, the prophets 
their main function was to inform the kings or the judges about what is the will of God. They, they informed them. This is what God is saying. This is what we need to do. This was their function. And what I love about the response of this king when he heard that Elisha, the man that brings the word of God, is ill, he runs in desperation and he cries out. And what he cries out to is, he says, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. What he's saying is that is, I can't put my confidence in my army anymore. See, the soldiers are still there, the horsemen are still there, the chariots are still there. But the king understood that without knowing the will of God, destruction will follow. And he cries out. And as I was reading this verse, I just started to look at my own life and I'm like, Pierre, are you still desperate to know the will of God? Are you still desperate? Are you still seeking to know what God is saying in the moment over your life? Or have I become so complacent or had so much confidence in my chariots and my horsemen? What I mean with chariots and horsemen, how many of us have found so much comfort in that we have jobs or we have finances and we think that's going to offer us security? And without being doom and gloom, those things can be taken away from us in a moment. We live in a day and age that is so fast, one WhatsApp message can change your whole life. And what I love is the Word of God says that His Word will remain, even if the earth goes to the abyss, the Word of God will remain. And this king was able to recognize that. He understood to be a good king and to be able to lead God's people, what he needs is to understand what God's will is. So he cries over Elisha. And one of the other things that's very important is we, have this, we need to understand that God is the creator. And what I mean with that is God created everything. He didn't just create this world and now He stands a part of it. Um, there's this very, very beautiful phrase that says that we as the people of God are, is living in God's world and we need to live in His ways. So when it comes to marriage, when it comes to finances, we believe God created those things and He created it for our joy and He understands how it works. And that's why we can follow Him to learn how it works and apply ourselves. We need to live in God's world in God's way. See, a lot of us struggle because we live in God's world our way. We think we can twist the arm of God and show Him how it's really supposed to work. Verse 15, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. This is Elisha said to the king. Take a bow and arrows, so he took the bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hand on the king's hand, and he said, Open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Apec until you have made an end of them. Well, I just want to explain to you what is so beautiful. What After he has this cry, Elisha gives him a new word. And it comes in the form of a prophetic action. He tells the king to pick up his bow and his arrow, to go to the window and shoot an arrow. And then he explains to the king what the meaning of this is. That as that arrow flies, and as it lands, this will be as the Lord's arrow. He will give you victory because you are obedient to the word of God. So up until this point, this king is doing well. He is desperate for the knowledge of God. He wants to be informed by the word of God. He's willing to be obedient to the Word of God. And then all of a sudden, this story takes a bit of a turn. Verse 18, 
And he said, take the arrows. This is Elisha to the king again after he did this. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck it three times and stopped. This is where it gets weird. Then the man of God was angry at him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. But now you will only strike down Syria only three times. And I remember the first time I read the story, it made no sense to me. In the first instruction, he was clear. In the second instruction, he just tells him, beat the arrows. He didn't tell him, beat it five or six times. He just said, beat the arrows. And the king goes and he beats the arrows only three times. And the anger of Elisha has risen. And he said, you failed. Because although the king was informed, he lacked zeal. And I remember when I was reading this, my first question was like, Elisha, could you not have been clearer? Could you have not given him the instruction more clear? And I remember as I was sitting and preparing this message this week, my question changed. And I was thinking, King, if you knew that your victory was linked to this act, why did you stop? Why did you stop beating the arrows? And let me say it like this, Christian believer, followers of God, a lot of us are very familiar with some of the things of God, and it's like the arrows in our hand. So you've been a follower enough or long enough that you understand that you shouldn't miss the gathering of the saints. So you come to church. That's your first arrow, and you beat it to the ground. Lord, I'm faithful. And you've been a, a believer long enough that you understand that you should pray. So there's prayer. That's arrow number two. And then maybe your third arrow is you, you, you understand that you're supposed to give or whatever the case may be. And then we want to stop. And as I, I said this two weeks ago, I think if we understood what God wants to do through our lives, that He wants to transform us into the image of His Son, if we really understood how perfect Jesus was, there is never a place where we can become comfortable. There is never a place in our lives where we should say, Lord, I've done enough. It is never enough, God. God, I still need You to change me. God, I still need to beat the arrows. I still need to give everything I have because, Lord, as soon as I stop, I will lose the victory. I will lose the victory. And my biggest fear for us as a church is that we become so familiar with the things of God that we think it's good enough. And like this king, we will strike the ground and say, but I did what you asked me. I did enough. And it's just not, guys, it shouldn't be our postures as believers if we understand the weight that God placed upon us. I think a very other important thing that we need to know about the Scripture is it's a very weird request. A king beating arrows is somehow going to give him victory over Syria. That's not a, a military tactic. Uh, if you go to the military now and you tell them, guys, I've got this great tactic, instead of going to war, what we're going to do is bring some arrows, because it's in the Scripture. We're just going to beat them on the ground more than five times, and we will get victory. It's not going to work. And what I mean with that is, guys, as the people of God, we need to understand the Bible calls us peculiar. And as I was preparing this message, I just felt God say to me, son, you need to start getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's as soon as we get too comfortable and I'll do what makes sense to me that we will miss Jesus. Because God can sometimes ask us to do something that is so out of the ordinary, so out of our comfort zone. But I love being out of my comfort zone because out of my comfort zone, I need Jesus. It makes me desperate for Jesus. And that's the place as Christians where we need to stay at. 
So as soon as we get too comfortable, I'm worried. If we get too comfortable, I get worried. Another thing that is important is, and I need to say this, and I want to say it with a lot of respect, I love the Word of God. Love it. I'll tell you now, don't just read the Word of God, study the Word of God. It's the book of life. But just as much as we need the Word of God, we also need to be able to hear the Word of God. We need to be able, as a people of God, to hear His voice. That was gross. We need to be able to hear His voice. Jesus says, my sheep will know my voice. He's the good shepherd. And it is scary for me to believe if I have to ask you, when last did you hear the Word of God? When last did you speak to the Lord? When last? Because this Word wasn't, Elisha wasn't quoting Scripture to him. He was giving him a revelationary word. And just to make it very practical for in my own life, what happened to me, uh, most of you know uh, I'm married now for almost 10 years, praise the Lord. But before I met Odin, I was, um, I was engaged to somebody else. And uh, just before we got married, or would have gotten married, <laughs> uh, we were backsliding. And in one season, uh, I really just felt God call me back. She wasn't really interested. I, I needed Jesus again. I remember I went up to a mountain to go and pray because that's where I just connect with Jesus. I went up this mountain and I went to go and pray. And I was praying very beautiful things. You know, Lord, on my marriage day, I want you to be the guest of honor. I want you to work in me and to make me a good husband. And Lord, I pray that you would bless that day and you would bless my marriage and all that sort of stuff. And after I finished that prayer that was probably like 45 minutes long, I felt the Lord speak to me and said, Son, there will be no marriage. There will be no wedding day. And I remember standing on that mountain thinking, well, that's disappointing. And I probably heard wrong. That's what I believed. You know, so I started to bind the devil and all the demons and all that sort of stuff. I was very Pentecostal. I remember I went down the mountain and I drove, and about two weeks later, I received the email where this girl broke the engagement off. Yes, you heard correctly, email. I remember my anger rose against God, which is actually so crazy because he warned me. And what it came out to is, um, although we were engaged, she also loved somebody else (laughs) and was actually having an affair. And like I said, it angered me, the fact that God was honest with me to say, son, this is not going to happen. I remember after backsliding for a season, coming back to God, I could hold on to that word and say, Lord, thank you that you wanted to protect me. Lord, thank you that you loved me enough to speak truthfully to my heart, saying, son, this is not going to end well for you. I love you enough to be able to bring this thing to the light. And now being married to Odin for 10 years, he really did spare me and gave me the best. But guys, are we still willing to hear the voice of God even when it's uncomfortable? When he says something that we maybe don't like? There's a lot of times I've given the testimony where God says, Son, I love you. I need you to say no. I need you to not walk through that door. I need you to turn away. And the only reason we will ever do that, guys, is if we believe God is better. That God will not take anything from me. So when Elisha was telling this king, beat the arrows, it was for victory. It was for victory. He said, beat these arrows. And it's so scary for me, as the people of God, how we look at some of the things God commands us to do, and we want to do it so begrudgingly. Not understanding 
that what God wants for us is to lead us into a greater joy and a greater life. So when he says, do this, we need to believe that, Lord, you have the best for me. I'm going to do it. And it might be uncomfortable. It might not make sense to me at that moment. But God, I believe. I believe in your character. I believe you are good. The one thing I wanted to point out, it's not just knowing about the Word of God and knowing the, the Rhema Word of God. Um, if they can just put up Jeremiah for me again, 22. Look at what the Scripture says. For my people are foolish. They know me not. It's not just knowing God's Word. It's knowing Him. See, like I said, I, I'm always married for 10 years. I can give you a lot of facts about my wife. She's not naturally blonde. She has a twin. Her birthday is the 16th of December. There's a lot of facts that I can tell you about my wife, but that does not show our relationship. And it's exactly the same approach that we want to take with God. Is I, I'm not asking you, do you know God in regards that you can say, oh, well, God is the God of the Bible and there's 66 books and He has Jesus. Do you know God intimately? Do you spend time with Him? Do you love Him? See, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love, love edifies. So there's a knowledge that we can gather that is actually harmful to us. So if I say we need to be informed, I'm not asking you to just know your Bible. I'm saying, do you know God? Do you know the characters and the, and the nature of God? Do you know His heart? And what I love about the heart of God, it's not something that comes easy. It comes by prayer and spending time in His presence, seeking Him diligently. We always quote the Scripture and we say that God, uh, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How diligently are you seeking the Lord? Because He promises His presence, but He says, diligently. God's presence is not cheap. It comes at a price. It comes diligently seeking God. So we need to know him. You need to know the presence and the heart of God. It's not just good enough to be able to quote scriptures. I want to know Him. I want to know His heart for me. And then we also need to be empowered. If I can take you back to Kings verse 16, one of the biggest differences between the first instruction that Elisha gave to this king and the second instruction is this that happened in the first instruction. It says in verse 16, And then he said to the king, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hand on the king's hand. So after informing the king, he empowered the king. And what this speaks to us as believers is this beautiful image we have that God is willing to empower us. And what I mean with that is that God knows that what he has placed upon your life, you're going to need his spirit. And just as Elisha put his hand on the hand of the king, Jesus promised us he would send us a helper. He would send us a helper that helps us to draw the bow and to beat the arrows in our lives. It's this beautiful promise that we have from God that he will not leave us alone. If we really understand how God wants to transform us, we will understand that it's not up to us. We can't do it. I love what Marvin was talking about the gospel. We never, we never qualify from it. We need Jesus if we're going to do this well. We need the power of His Spirit. 
I love how in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus has, he has been crucified, he's, he's resurrected, and just before his ascension, he speaks to the disciples and he says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from high. What is so beautiful for me is Jesus, in that moment, looks at his disciples and says, Guys, before you do anything, before you go out and tell people that I've been resurrected, before you go out and you want to share the gospel, what you need is power. And I will send him. And you can see how it is mirrored again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is another promise of God going to send His Spirit on Pentecost. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. And what I love is when I say God needs to empower you, what does He need to empower you for? To be a witness. And that's not just sharing the gospel. What I want to tell you, believers, if we look at your life, if I look at your marriage, if I look at your life, is it a witness of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ? If I look at your life and the way you conduct money and the way you handle business, does it scream Jesus? The resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Because if the answer is no, we're falling short. We have stopped beating the arrows. We have gone into human nature or human flesh and tried doing it on our own effort. Where Jesus says, I don't care about your human effort. What I care about is bringing you life. And the only one that can give life is Jesus. We need to be faithful witnesses in every aspect of our lives. I'll never forget, before we went into eldership, we had to do this eldership course. gut-wrenching. Almost quit. But one of the questions they asked us is they said, if people look at your life and they mirror and they follow what you are doing, will they get more of Jesus? So if people tithe like you tithe, is the church going to go bankrupt? People worship the way you worship. Is it a worship that is acceptable before God? Is it extravagant? Is it one that is in full view and revelation of who Jesus Christ is? If people studied the Bible like you studied the Bible, would it give them more of Jesus or less of Jesus? I remember standing there thinking, I'm in trouble. And then I realized, guys, it wasn't about getting qualified to be an elder. It's living a life that is faithful to the one that paid his, his, with his life for me. I want to live a life that screams Jesus because that's the only thing that's worth screaming. I want to live a life that when people look at my marriage, they don't see yes, she's just a beautiful woman and it looks like they're okay. I want them to be able to see unconditional love. I want them to be able to see how good God was to join us together and keep us together. Guys, this is what God wants from us. This is what is at stake. And the one thing I need you all to understand, the reason why we need to be informed and empowered, because it leads to victory. And I want to turn this into a prosperity gospel preach. Relax. I know we're scared of everything. When last did you have victory in your life? When last did you have victory in your prayer life, in your Bible study, in situations, over sin? God promises a victory. One thing I love about the testimony of Paul, uh, Marvin was talking about him earlier, quite a good guy. Paul was one of the men that was probably most profoundly used by God. 
But he had this testimony of his life. He had this holy discontentment. After resurrecting people from the dead, preaching to nations, planting churches, he said, Lord, if only I may know you. Lord, if only I may know you. And if I compare Paul's life to my life, I'm sure he knows the Lord more than I do at this moment. But he had this discontentment in his heart. God, I never want to get too familiar. Lord, I want my life to have victory upon victory upon victory. Declaring your goodness, declaring your gospel. Church, there's an opportunity for us in this moment and in this time to be the people of God that are informed. And when I say informed, we know the word, we hear his voice, and we know his heart. We have this beautiful promise from Jesus Christ saying he will empower us. You can't empower yourself. He will empower us by His Spirit. It's not my Spirit, it's His Spirit. All it costs us is go to Him. Go to Him. Just as this king was willing to go and cry out over Elisha, we need to be the people that cry out to God. We need to be the people that cry out over our marriages. We need to be the people that cry out over those that are not saved. And say, Lord, will you do it by your power? Would you give me the strength to be a faithful witness that when people look at me, they would see a gospel message? Does that make sense? I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. I started this message off and I said, guys, how easy it is for us to think that ignorance is bliss how easy it is for us to think that, oh, well, I know enough. I want to really just encourage you today that, that God would help you to put such a holy discontentment in your heart that you would be so hungry and desperate to know the Word of God and to know His heart that you would seek Him. So there's just a few things that I want to pray to, and I'm just going to ask as every head is closed, if, if, I, am I talk, if I'm talking about you, just raise your hand. So the first person I want to ask you is, how's your Bible study going? When last did you hear the Word of God? When last did you hear Him speak to you? Guys, and I want to tell you now that it is not natural if the response is months ago. He says, I'm your good shepherd you will know my voice. So I just want to give you a space and an opportunity. If that is your own fault because we are not seeking God, it's very simple. All you need to do is repent. All you need to do is repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for neglecting your word. I'm sorry for not spending time with you. I'm sorry for not seeking you in the way that honors you. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for those people. You can put your hands down. Father, I just pray for every person that raised their hand. Lord, as they publicly acknowledge before you, God, I've made mistakes. I've neglected your word. Lord, I pray, God, that you would see them in this moment, in this time, God, and that you would, God, I pray that you would give them a supernatural hunger for your word. 
Lord, I pray that when they open your word, God, they would, it wouldn't just be stories, God, it would be revelation, that there would be so much life in the Scripture, that they would get such a revelation of your heart, God. Lord, that it would ignite a fire in them, God. Lord, that by your Spirit, God, that you would move them and bless them, God. Father, I want to pray, God, that they would hear your voice. Lord, that, that it would not just be a Logos dead word, God, but, Lord, that it would be such a fresh word, God, that it would be a word that brings forth fire and fruit, God. That they would hear your voice, God, in every season, in every decision that they have to make. Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice, Lord. Lord, would you bless them. So the second person I want to just pray for. Maybe the person that you haven't had victory in such a long time. That can be over sin, your relationship with God, relationships in your family. I want to make you free of that burden. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. You have Jesus that promised you a helper. And my prayer for you is that you would just humble yourself before God now. And just say, Lord, I've tried. I need you. The Bible says, God's ear is not too heavy to hear, nor his arm too short to save. That he would see you in this moment. So if that's you and you just need victory, in irrespective of what area of your life is, you just raise your hand. Okay, I see that hand. You can put it down. I just want to pray for you. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, Lord, I thank you, God, that as Jesus said, that he will not leave us orphans. Lord, and he said to the disciples, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you are endowed with power. God, I pray, Lord, for those that are maybe in seasons where it feels like they have been tarrying so long. They have been in the same city, God, and they have not received breakthrough. Lord, I pray, God, by your grace and your mercy, would you bless them today? Would you empower them by your Holy Spirit? Would you bring victory into their lives, God? Lord, would you do what only you can do? And that's change hearts and bring life to dead bones. God, would you be with their family members, God, that they have cried out for? God, I pray, Lord, that you would send your ministering angels, God, to speak to hearts, to show the way, Lord. Lord, and I pray for every saint here, God. May we all be empowered to be faithful witnesses. Lord, that when people look at our lives, God, what should be so clear, what should be the banner of our lives is, this is a follower of Jesus. This is a person that loves Jesus. When they look at our finances, they will find Jesus. When they look at how we do business, they will find Jesus. In the way we can handle people and love people, they would see Jesus. Lord, as a church, I pray that you would help us with this. God, and I pray, Lord, would you also help us not to be so puffed up with knowledge and think we know that, we, that we've got it figured out. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that is humble enough to be desperate for you. Lord, that we would be a people that are willing to go very low and be desperate enough to seek you, God. Knowing, God, without you, Lord, without being informed, it leads to destruction. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you would bless us, God. May we know you, may we know your heart, Lord. 
It's for your beautiful name I pray this. Amen.